0: The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground.
1: So I'll talk about posture in just a little bit, but we're going to begin like we did last week with a little practice. So just sitting in a way that's comfortable for your body now. really listen to the body and make a few more adjustments if you need to. We're cultivating a stable, relatively comfortable posture for the meditation time. And we're cultivating also not just comfort, but also this sense of uprightness or a sense of sitting right in the middle of our experience. Sometimes you might like to call it a, the quality of composure. The body feels composed or the posture has a sense of integrity. And as you feel like you're coming into that, as best it can be now, coming into that stable, upright posture, then take a couple of longer deeper breaths without needing to rush it or force it, taking the time in a relaxed way to fill the lungs and then to empty the lungs. Do that a few times. As if we have all the time in the world to breathe in and breathe out. Eventually let the breath continue on its own. So don't try to meditate now, just feeling the body sitting in the most ordinary way. Just the physicality of sitting is like this. And not needing to pick and choose, but instead we're willing to feel the full range of sensations that are rising now. So there's a very simple recognition that the sensations of the body are like this now. And exploring the possibility of being intimate with the experience of sitting intimate with the experience of hearing. So we're learning that it's possible to let the sensations be, let the sounds that are being heard, letting those be. And just getting a sense of what it means to be right in the middle of experience or what it means to be awake mindful, mindful of the body sitting, not judging the sensations that are being known or trying to control or trying to fix things, but just knowing that the experience of sitting is like this now. We're gonna very simply move the awareness through the body like we did last week. So start by letting the attention come to the top of the head as if we're feeling the sensations at the top of the head for the first time. Now, of course, they might be relatively nondescript, like the weight of the hair or any qualities of pressure beneath the skull. But whatever the sensations are now at the top of the head, just let the attention soak in there. Be interested. And let these sensations be what they are. Feel the air touching the ears if they're exposed or the sensations along both sides of the head. And then in a simple way, being interested at the back of the head now. Whatever sensations can be recognized, notice letting them be. And as if for the first time, opening and receiving the sensations at the forehead. What would it be to be intimate now with the sensations here? The forehead is like this. These sensations are simply being known, the temples. And then taking the time, being willing to open to both eyes, feel the eyelids making contact here, of course. Any movement in the eyes? Any tension around the eyes? See if it's possible this unconditional surrender, acceptance of the eyes as they are now. And then simply feeling the air against the skin of the face. Notice its coolness or warmth or whatever it is. Noticing any tension in the face, perhaps around the jaw, around the mouth, feeling the lips and the tongue. So in the most simple way, practice being close to the sensations through the face and head, as if this were the only relevant thing now, to be awake, to be aware of all these sensations here in the head and face. It's not about thinking about the head and face or even having a mental image, but just to be willing to notice the sensations. And we feel the throat and both sides of the neck, the back of the neck, right and left sides, right down through the tops of the shoulders and the shoulder joints. So again, we're learning, training the mind to be receptive to these sensations here. both shoulders, and then down both arms. And we're just feeling the ordinary sensations, for example, the sleeves against the skin of the arms, and the bend of the elbows and the forearms, any sensations in the wrists, in the back of the hands and the palms, and all the fingers just as they are. So remember, this is a very simple training. We're training the mind to be intimate, to be interested, now with the ordinary sensations of the arms and hands. learning to sustain this simple awareness of the arms and hands. So in a sense, learning to not forget. It's like this now. Including the ordinary touch points where the hands make contact with the lap, for example. And we're just surrendering, or allowing these sensations to be. And again, moving now into the trunk, cultivating a real, authentic interest as we feel the upper third of the trunk, so the upper back and the chest. And we're just allowing awareness to soak in here, to be receptive. The collarbones, the breastbone, the breasts, the shoulder blades. We feel the structure of the rib cage. In the middle torso, the solar plexus, the lower ribs, kidneys, feel the spine, and then simply opening to the abdominal area and the lower back, sides of the torso, right down into the lower abdomen, right down to the pubic bone, down through the buttocks and down through the tailbone. Feel the structure of the pelvis and the floor of the pelvis. And learning to be intimate, to be interested. As we take a few moments and feel the entire trunk Everything's included. Unconditional acceptance. From the hip sockets, begin to feel both thighs. Of course, any touch points there where there's contact or pressure. A real simple interest here in the legs, now the knees. Be aware now of the shins, both calves, down to the heels both ankles, sides and tops of both feet, bottoms of the feet, the toes, Feeling the whole body just as it is now. So we're learning, the mind is learning how to be receptive, to receive the sensations of the body. They're being known right here in the mind, or right here in the heart. The experience of sitting is like this. All the sensations of the body are being known right here, right now. They're like this. Or can this be okay that the body feels this way? Can that be okay? Okay, okay enough to relax. Okay enough to be interested or alert. Not forgetting the sensations that are here and now. And what, if anything, is getting in the way of this continuity of attention? be sitting for another three minutes in silence. and See if you can sustain this very simple, relaxed, and alert attention to the whole body. Everything's included, so we're not picking and choosing. Saying yes, sensations of the body, the experience of sitting is like this now. Be willing to begin again and again. And for just another minute, even if the sensations are unpleasant, just see if it's possible to relax and accept, knowing that sitting is like this now. Being right in the middle. moment if you need and adjust your body. Stretch out your legs or whatever you need to be comfortable. Welcome back, everyone. I think we all know it's not easy to commit, so it's good that on a cold night you were able to get yourself back. And I mentioned last week, it is truly amazing, a little embarrassing that as human beings we have this mind. But it's been pretty easy for us, I think speaking for the group, it's pretty easy for us to neglect being interested in the mind. So even though it may look like in mindfulness meditation or this more generally we call it the path of awakening being, a, being more awake. It may seem like we're a cult of being aware of the body or being aware of the breath in the body. But actually, we're really interested in being aware of the mind. It's just that the mind turns out to be a pretty subtle process. And so the, we train the mind, the attention, to be aware of the body like the breath in the body or hearing or the sensations of sitting, because it's more concrete as, a, as an experience. It's a baby step, right? To be it, It's not easy, <laughs> but it's relatively easy to be aware of the body, the breath moving in the body or even hearing. And then if we stabilize that present moment awareness on something relatively easy, like awareness of the breath, awareness of walking we talked about walking meditation last week awareness of the whole body awareness of the breath moving in the body awareness of hearing these are the usually the three anchors that i recommend for people beginning their practice mindfulness of the breath so what that actual physical experience of the belly rising and falling that's so you're not really aware of the breath you're aware of the movement of the abdominal wall and then the movement of the abdominal wall, or some people feel the breath here. Then you're aware of the touching as air goes in, and the touching, so it's really basic, right? We're just the actual physical sensations of the breathing process. And then if we stabilize our attention on one of these three anchors, hearing, the breath, whole body, then, first of all, What is it that knows these experiences? The mind does. And then if the mind starts to think, the attention to the breath, for example, will be broken. So we'll notice, oh, something's happening because I'm not with the breath anymore. What's happening? Oh, thinking, judging, planning, worrying, fantasizing. Oh, mental activities like this. And in little moments like that, where we're with something relatively concrete, like walking or breathing or hearing, and then the mind gets lost in thought, and then the awareness, the mindfulness notices, oh, this is happening. Little by little, the mind begins to wake up to what the mind is doing, what the mind is. It's a little embarrassing, as I said earlier, that you know some of us have been around for a while now, and how little we know about the mind. It's truly amazing, you know, that it's clearly the most important thing, but we haven't, I mean, it's, it's uncommon that people make a systematic study or even value being aware of the mind. There are people who read lots of books or get PhDs in psychology who don't know the first thing about their mind. They know the mind objectively, which doesn't really exist. Like, we think about the mind, so we know our thoughts about the mind, what we tell ourselves about the mind, what other people say about the mind. But to take awareness and from a subjective point of view study the mind, that's a relatively rare occurrence. You find it in different spiritual traditions, like Buddhism, that has basically been built on the practice of using the mind to study the mind, using a stable, clear, relaxed attention to pay attention to what the mind is doing, how the mind is. Is it tight? Is it open? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it reactive with greed or reactive with aversion Or is it patient and resilient and accepting? Is it bored or interested? These are actually really relevant. And like I said, it's a little embarrassing that, because intellectually it does sound relevant, that we've just neglected our first and foremost duty as a human being, which is to get to know the mind. The Buddha said something like, The mind is either your best friend or worst enemy. There's no friend better than a well-trained mind. Even a really good parent can't protect you, help you as much as a well-trained mind. And there's no enemy worse than an untrained mind. You know, a mind that doesn't know anything about itself. So that's, now we only have five weeks left. (laughs) to learn something about the mind and of course we have all day long you know all of our waking hours and the formal sitting time you know if you're fortunate you can get an hour in or 45 minutes or 30 minutes or 20 minutes or maybe 5 minutes but everybody can get some time in every day where what we're doing is we're optimizing the conditions the cell phone is off the pets are in the other room or they're leaving you alone The people you live with know not to bother you. You're sitting in a comfortable way, not the way you think a meditator should sit, but in a way that supports a feeling of comfort and alertness, relaxation and alertness. And these two principles, when all else fails and you forget what you're doing, just remember these two values, the value of being relaxed and the value of being alert. And you'll be right back on the saddle in terms of doing your practice what am i doing what's this class about oh yeah he said just remember two things honey relax it's okay to relax and even though you're relaxing you can be alert a lot of times we think they're opposites like if i'm going to relax i'm not going to be alert we equate relaxation with being dull or the you know the mind being asleep or unaware Or we think alertness means being tight. Being vigilant means tight. But it's actually not the case. It's just, I don't know, a mistaken idea. Because actually, clarity, alertness, is really supported by being relaxed. And, surprisingly maybe, being relaxed is really supported when the mind is bright, clear, and alert. Because we can notice, why is there tension? Maybe I can let that go. Why is the mind obsessing? Maybe I don't need to think about this. So that brightness, that alertness really supports relaxation and relaxation really supports that brightness or alertness. And this keeps it really simple. So just repeat it in your mind now so you kind of deepen that imprint and you'll remember it when you forget what you're doing during your sit and especially during the day when you're practicing all day long. All I have to do, it's not like try to be mindful. No, honey, relax. It's okay to relax and be interested, be alert. Be connected to what's going on. And whatever is going on, where is it? It's right here already. So when we say be alert, a lot of times we think, well, what should I be alert to? But the thing is, whatever this moment is, it's already right here. So it's never about like, Finding the object of meditation or finding the object of your present moment reality. Because what is your experience right now? See, it's already right here. And the interesting thing is, not only is the experience of the present moment right here, but the mind is already aware of it. So when I say, like, what's the experience for you right now, do you all of a sudden have to try to be aware? No, you're you're recognizing that the mind is already aware of the way it is here right so this teaches us something really important about mindfulness and it and actually the word sati is the pali word uh, the, the language spoken around the time of the Buddha sati actually means to remember so mindfulness isn't like like Sometimes we think it's like I'm focusing my attention on an object of experience. But that's not That's focusing on an object of experience. That's not mindfulness. Mindfulness is remembering. So we're remembering. And what are we remembering? We're remembering that this is being known. This is already being known. The present moment is already being known. It's already here. And the knowing mind is already knowing. Or the sensitive mind, sensitive heart is already sensitive and it's it's never appropriate to go wait this isn't the present moment you know it's like this isn't what i'm supposed to be aware of it's like we do this too like we're think uh, we're meditating you know let's say we're doing a breath meditation and breathing in is like this and breathing in out is like this and then we get lost in thought and we're worrying about something and then we ca- we then all of a sudden mindfulness returns and we realize we've been thinking So, what's the appropriate thing to do in that moment? You might think, well, rush back to the breath because I'm thinking. But no, because in that moment there's an awareness that thinking is like this. Before you're aware that you're thinking, there's nothing you can do. You're lost in thought. You're not practicing, and you can't practice until mindfulness realizes that thinking's happening. And then that's a moment to appreciate. There's no need to be frustrated or to judge yourself because in that moment, you're aware that thinking's happening. If anything, you should say, thank you, (laughs) back in the reality of the present moment, knowing that thinking is being known. Oh, having just been thinking is like this. feels like this. Oh, yeah. And here's the breath right here. Being known already. Breathing in is like this. Breathing out is like this. And the whole point of what I'm saying now is that you can trust relaxation. And the corollary to that is you can mistrust tension. So if your practice is feeling tight, you're probably doing something wrong. Why is this so tight? What's going on here? What's the idea behind the tension? What am I trying to do? Because awareness of the present moment is a natural occurrence. The mind is naturally sensitive. So we're learning to remember, that's the work involved in practice, remembering that the present moment is being known, as opposed to forgetting the present moment is being known and getting lost in thought. That's really the alternative, either you know, the mind is aware that this is being known. Because, like, if you ask a Buddhist, what, you know, what, what's your reality? Like, how would you answer that question? See if you're a good Buddhist. <laughs> you know, what's reality for you right now? Like, How would you, somebody calls you out from another planet and says, you know, I'm coming from a different dimension, different universe, things are very different. So if you could just sum up what your experience is, what would you say? And so what a Buddhist says is that something is being known. Every moment of my existence is always an object of experience being known. It's always that. And where is that happening? Right here in the heart, in the mind, or whatever you want to call the present moment. There's always something being known. That's all we can say about reality. Something's being known. Sometimes what's being known is terror. Or sometimes what's being known is sort of the ordinary sensation of air touching the skin. There's some current of air making contact. And that's what's being known. Sometimes there's a lot of joy. Sometimes a lot of sorrow. Sometimes it's just a sound being known. It's just something being known. It's really that simple. Now the question is is can we train our minds to remember this simple basic foundational level of our reality something's being known something's being known. being known this is being known this is being known this is being known that's all it is and so even when we have elaborate thoughts about who i should become when i finally grow up and get my act together and get disciplined you know and then in a moment when mindfulness returns i'll recognize That's just a thought being known. And if there's any emotional charge to that fantasy, then I'll notice that's just a charge being felt, being known right now. And you can even use this as a support during daily life practice more than your sitting, but you can use it in formal sitting times too, is literally, actually name your experience in that way. Oh, judging mind is being known. Let's say you're kind of stewing about something. Judging mind is being known. Or you're comparing yourself to somebody. Ah, comparing mind is being known. Or you're fantasizing about something. Fantasizing is being known. Or you're just sort of in a bored stupor. Oh, being bored is being known. Or you're feeling a lot of pain in your knee. Throbbing is being known. Or twisting, burning is being known. Or you're hating the pain in your knee. Hating is being known. Not liking is being known. It's like this. But that voice that names the experience, it's just supporting the actual mindful, reflective knowing that that's actually the reality of the moment, that this experience is being known. And you can always, there's always an experience being known. You can check this out. See if anybody, maybe, maybe I'll put some money, I'll, I'll put $10 billion down. Right, If you can find an experience between now and next Tuesday that isn't something being known, that's more than that or less than that, right? and you'll find it's always something being known. Even in the most still, peaceful state of, let's say, a, a really deep meditation, there's still something being known. It might be peace is being known, or silence of the mind is being known, ease is being known. But it's always something being known. So when you, like we did an, uh, earlier, we did the body scan meditation. right? So that's something you can work with. It gives your mind, it makes the awareness of the body a little bit more concrete because you're moving stage by stage through the body. So it can support not getting caught up in thought. Because the mind always has something to do. Oh yeah, now I'm, I was aware of here, so now I've got to be aware of here. And then you're just, for those few seconds that you're in one particular place in the body, like a CAT scan, you know, then this is being known. These sensations are being known. And you don't have to judge. Like, whatever you know, like, let's say it's as if there's no sensations here, right? So that's what's being known. The absence of sensations here are being is being known. So it's not like trying harder. You simply accept whatever it is. Or you feel the whole body. Later tonight we'll do the breath meditation like we did last week as an alternative to the body scan meditation. Breathing in is being known. Breathing out is being known. As you feel more relaxed in the breathing meditation, you might be aware that as you're breathing in, you're actually feeling the whole body. Whole body is being known. Breathing out. Whole body is being known. And then don't worry if the mind gets distracted because breathing in, thinking is being known. Breathing out, judging mind is being known. Right. So whatever it is, it's just that reflective acknowledging, oh, this is what's being known. Now it might not seem like this would be the most transforming thing ever, but it turns out to be the most transforming thing ever. It's like, And here, I could put money down on this too. It's really hard to sustain neurotic activity when there's this clear, non-judging, relaxed and alert, reflective, knowing that it's like this now. Try, like if you're really getting worked up with your partner at home and self-righteous and, you know, Get in your facts in line so you can really let the person have it. And then you remember, Oh yeah, I'm doing this mindfulness class. <laughs> and you just start reflecting back what's actually happening, what's actually being known. You know, gonna get her is being known. You know? Gonna get even or gonna make my is being known. Is being known. And then remember that being known, that reflectiveness is not judging. It's just like a mirror that honestly reflects whatever is happening. It may be really wholesome. It may be really despicable. Your job isn't to decide. Your job is just to see what's happening and acknowledge it. That doesn't mean you don't recognize the difference between skillful and unskillful. That's the whole point. The mind, the wisdom in the mind will. But that's all you have to do. It's not about controlling. Mindfulness, remember this, mindfulness is not about controlling your experience. It's about reflectively knowing the way it is. That's enough. We don't have to construct a somebody who's in charge of fixing things. If you do that, notice that. Oh, judging myself, hating myself, wanting to fix myself is like this, feels like this, looks like this. That's being known. It's just that I'm going to fix myself. That whole pattern is being known. And it looks like this, feels like this. Now you don't need to use all the words that I'm saying out loud to you right now, but in in moments you can use some of them. Just don't do it neurotically, you know, like your, because that will get a little busy to be sort of is like this is being known. But every once in a while, to kind of get yourself on track, you can just remind yourself what like naturally the question might arise, you know. Oh yeah, I'm practicing mindfulness. So what's happening? And then that sort of sets up. Oh, well, sensations are being known. Seeing is being known. Hearing of the blower is being known. Self-consciousness is being known. Sits bones, feeling the hardness of the bench is being known. The openness of my hand, those sensations in the hands are being known. So we can you see how it really helps to sustain mindful awareness. And that's what makes it so transforming. It's not enough to have one moment of mindfulness. All the transformation comes from sustaining mindful awareness. You'll see, you get four, five, six seconds of relatively pure, intimate, radical presence, and you'll see you're in an altered state, not in a spacey kind of way, but in a like, oh my God, this is powerful. Our, like I said earlier, your neurotic patterns will not survive a very clear, relaxed, non judging, continuous awareness. They just won't. See. Right? See if greediness or lust or hatred. Now, Remember that the mind is pretty quick, so you'll see it, and the mental part of those neurotic habits can fall away. But the reverberation in the body might continue. Like if I've been stewing with anger for 45 minutes, and all of a sudden mindfulness realizes, oh, this is angry, Uh, this is anger. Anger's like this. And then the mental part of it can pop like a bubble and disappear very quickly, like you drop a red hot pan. That hurt. But the physical reverberation of having been angry for 45 minutes, that doesn't disappear instantly, right? That's got some momentum. That's going to take some time. That stress that got laid down physically, energetically, may take some time to unwind. In the same way that you could have had a crazy day that triggered a lot of unskillful emotions, and you go home, and you really practice well, well, that your body, the sort of reverberation in your body, that's not going to disappear at the snap of a finger. You know, It may take a couple days. If you've had a really stressful period, it may take months to release the body, for the body to release. But the mind can clear up very quickly. We can go from being completely enraged to reala- realizing the absurdity of it. I'm sure this has happened to people in this room, right? I see this. My wife's a long-time practitioner, too. You know, we can start going at it like most married couples can. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden it seems a lot like it happens at the same time where we realize just the preciousness of life or whatever, the sen- the, the humor in it. or And it, like, it doesn't mean that we resolve the conflict that we somehow figure it out how we're going to deal with this particular aspect of our lives together. It just means that the charge or the seeing it through the eyes of anger has disappeared. And that can fall away immediately, but there's still the, we say in Buddhism, the karma, like the cause and effect of having however long we were stewing. That still may reverberate in our bodies. So any questions about what I've said so far, and then we'll stretch, and then I'll say a little bit about posture, and then we'll do a uh, mindfulness of breathing practice, but let's just take a few moments, see if there's any confusion about what I said. So I'm just sort of laying the foundation, something is being known. Any comments or questions about that? Good, so let's stretch our legs, and then I'll say something about sitting posture. just stand move your body a little bit anybody try walking meditation last this last week anybody Oh, good how'd you how'd you find it well i'm not sure you're yeah and it's a more concrete anchor so you know the actual physicality of lifting there may be a strong tendency for the mind to go back to the worrying or the planning or whatever it was that was causing your mind to spin. But you've got a little bit more concrete of an object that you can aim your attention to. Because it's not so much that noticing the lifting or noticing the placing of the step is important. What's important is to drop the, the drama. right? And so you got the mind has to give itself, the knowing mind, has to give itself to something in order to let go of whatever else it's, it's paying attention to. So that's a basic move, just not in meditation, but just to be a sane human being. When your mind is obsessing, if, you, if there's enough wisdom, then just seeing what's happening is often enough to drop it. But if it's really seductive, if it seems really personal, then that means there's not that much wisdom in the mind. And then we got to go to the sort of second-tier strategy, which is give your mind something to pay attention to that it can pay attention to fully. That's why we call it mindfulness, right? Fully with the experience, so full with that experience that you gave the mind, like walking meditation, breathing meditation, loving-kindness meditation, looking at the sky meditation, right? It's just whatever works. If you can do something fully, then you have to fully, the mind has to fully drop whatever it's worrying about or wondering about or do, you know thinking about. Good. So just to remind everybody, in case you haven't tracked it down, org, look under Programs, find the Introduction to Mindfulness class, and embedded in the description is the link to the talks um, from last fall, I believe, and the eight handouts for the course, including the instructions for walking meditation, okay? So let's sit down, and I'll say a few words about um, how you might sit, and then we'll do a meditation. So I'll start with people who are sitting on a cushion. So one thing people do, this is sometimes called the Burmese pose, where you have one ankle right in front of the other one. Now you just don't strain, that's the whole point, that's why we have so many chairs here. Now that works for some people. Another relatively easy cross-leg position is to have your ankle sort of under your knees, but then often you might want to roll a towel or a blanket to support your knees, because if you're like this, basically you're balancing on your two little sits bones and your feet supporting little. And there's just not that much stability. So you're going to use a lot of core muscles to hold your posture and you'll get tired. But if you've got a wide base of support, the wider the base, the more stable the posture. So this is a possibility. Then if you have more flexibility, you can start the lotus poses. So this is what the easiest lotus is when you have it on top of your calf, either leg is fine. In the half lotus, you put it on top of your thigh, like that. And I won't do the full lotus, but then you would take this other ankle and place it up here. And that's the full lotus. Now, very few people are flexible enough for that. But if you have a lot of flexibility, not in your knees, but in your hips, right? you don't use your knees to do these postures. If you are, don't sit this way. But if you have enough flexibility to do like the half lotus or the quarter lotus, where you're on the foots on your calf, it kind of locks you in, so you you have a lot more stability in the posture. Now another way, this is the way I've been sitting recently since I injured my knee, uh, moving furniture in the winter. So you can use even one of these kind of cushions this way, or like the bench, and we have benches in the closet. And the knees can be relatively close, or some people like them further apart. This way you don't need as much flexibility in the hips, but you're still able to sit on the floor. So just find a way to sit, hands in some kind of symmetrical fashion. So that works for some people. Those of you who are sitting on a chair, it's nice to have uh, the knees or the um, thighs and shins at a right angle. So that means if you're a short person, raise the floor by putting a pillow under your feet. And if you're a tall person, you might need to raise the seat by putting a blanket on the seat so you have that kind of right angle. And generally, people sitting on a chair, it's nice to have the feet flat instead of crossing your ankles, just have them flat. And then also to wean yourself slowly off of the back of the chair. So once you feel relatively comfortable, then just see, experiment, and just support your lumbar but have the shoulder blades off of the chair, right? So you're, you're, you have to develop some strength, core strength, and alignment. You know, Because when the spine is in alignment, it's stacked, and it doesn't take strength to maintain the spine. It's when it's off balance that you're using your muscles to keep the spine up. But if you've got the pelvis stacked right or uh, placed right, and then the spine comes out of the pelvis and the head stands or rests rather on the spine, then it doesn't take that much. And I forgot to mention, when you're sitting on the floor cross leg, sit on the front part of your cushion. So you're if you're facing my direction, you're angling your pelvis this way. Right? You're not sitting way back like this. Right? And this is also true with the chair, like if you have a kitchen chair at home that you're doing your practice on, you could experiment by lifting the back two legs of your chair so there's a little bit of an angle like this. And then you'll you won't need the back of the chair as much. Does that make sense? You can do it with a wedged cushion too. Different ways to do it. And generally speaking, the reason I'm mentioning this about sitting on a chair is you want to find the balance between being alert and relax. Those two qualities. And if your chair is too comfortable and in particular if you're using, resting your back on the back of the chair too much, people, once they've been practicing for a while, tend to fall asleep in the sitting on a chair posture. So if that starts to happen to you, then consider weaning yourself off of the back of the chair. Because then the relative discomfort and the more sort of dependence on alignment will keep the mind more alert. And that's a general tip when you're sleepy. Then see if you can check the alignment. Nose in line with the belly button, ears over the shoulders. And just have a sense like of a beautiful composure. Not collapsing, but just a very subtle, doesn't need to be too much sense of lifting right at the breastbone, tucking the chin a little bit. As I mentioned, hands in a symmetrical, no right or wrong way. Eyes can be open in a relaxed way, just gazing sort of down toward the floor, or you can have them lightly closed. Right, And mostly, the most important instruction about sitting is, don't worry about it. Because there are people, unfortunately, who it's been really a long time, even years, where the primary concern is to sit right. But mindfulness, we're the kind of mindfulness we're cultivating, we really want to develop it all day long, when we wake up in the moment, till we fall asleep at night. And the formal sitting time is just creating conducive conditions. So it's relatively easier to develop and sustain mindful awareness. But the practice we're doing all day long, something's being known. Any questions about posture? And you feel free, a lot of the the questions are specific to your body, so if something seems challenging for you, feel free to come up after any of the classes and and bring it up with me. And you can bring it up later too. We'll do some Q&A after our Uh, breath meditation so do what you can to settle in we'll sit for about 20 minutes take your time we don't have to rush a nice ritual to take a few longer, deeper breaths and really let it slow down without straining. So you're simply filling and then emptying the lungs a few times. As if we have all the time in the world. and eventually let the breath continue on its own. And just to remember what it is to for the mind to be receptive, let's take a few moments and open to the experience of hearing. You don't need to tune into any particular sound but instead opening up to all the sounds together noticing how effortless hearing is just happens Hearing is being known. Is it possible to be a little bit more intimate with the experience of hearing just as it is? And then, in the same way, receptive to all the different sensations now in the body. So, in a sense, receiving the sensations of the body just as they are, relaxing into the physicality of the body sitting. Sitting is like this now. Sensations are being known. Can this be okay? And right here in the experience of the body sitting, notice breathing in and noticing the sensations of breathing out. So as I mentioned, it might be the sensations of the abdominal wall expanding out as you breathe in, being pulled in as you breathe out. Or it might be easier for you to feel the movement of the breath at the nostrils, that touching. But in any case, simply be aware of the experience of breathing in just as it is and breathing out, just as it is. Really appreciate the physical experience of breathing in really appreciate the simplicity and the beauty of the breath going out, even if it's erratic or shallow or whatever, however it might be. Let there be a kind of gratitude that the body knows how to breathe on its own. We don't need to control it. Getting interested in noticing the very beginning of each inhalation all the way to the end. and The very beginning of each out breath all the way to the end. relaxed and alert. Be willing to begin again and again. Just feel the breath coming in, feeling the sensations of the breath going out. And you can be sensitive to the whole body. So as you're breathing in, sensitive to the whole body just as it is. As the breath goes out, practice being sensitive to the whole body just as it is. Unconditional Acceptance. to simply acknowledge the strong distractions that arise. Oh, this is being known. It's just this experience being known, this thinking being known. Let the distraction cease on its own when it does. Let the attention come back to the whole body. Notice the next breath coming in or going out. remembering the two values of alertness and relaxation. So the mind is simply recognizing that this is being known. Breathing in is being known. Breathing out, feeling the whole body is being known. As or when distraction arises, Thinking is being known, no need to judge, just acknowledge the way that it is, another few minutes. doing the best we can to hold the body still for just another minute or two, let the eyes open if they've been closed. Of course, we're not looking around, we're just noticing that scene, whatever that is, is like this now. Hearing, aware of the sensations of the body, we're cultivating this new habit of being intimate with sense experience. And if the mind is reacting in some way, then simply acknowledging that. So like if there's boredom, just acknowledge boredom is being known. Is it possible to be right in the middle, this unconditional acceptance? Alert and relaxed. Some people like to do this gesture at the end of a sit. It's called Anjali, but you'll recognize it, of course, and just bring the head down a little bit. And the idea is it's just a gesture of gratitude. Like I mentioned at the beginning, it's pretty amazing that we have some time. (laughs) There are a lot of human beings that don't have the time or inclination. So just a sense of gratefulness to have the time to study the heart in this way. So how was that for folks? I mentioned, I think last week, I can't remember, but one of the really valuable things about these six-week classes is just hearing from each other. So we have about ten minutes before nine, time to hear a couple comments, what you've been learning this last week in your sitting practice, questions you might have about what I said tonight, and so we can hear each other. We've got this handheld mic, but you have to point it right at your mouth and pretty close. So not like this, but pointing right at your mouth. So we'll help each other to pass it around. So who'd like to ask a question or share a little bit about what you've been learning, what's been hard, what's felt really good in your practice thus far, including your practice tonight? What comes to mind? Yeah, you want to pass it in the back corner? Yeah, good question. Um, Well, ideally, you know, as a training, we want ideal conditions. Every time the body moves, the mind moves too. So it really helps as much as we can to find a way to sit where you can be still. And then when you need to move, when the unpleasantness of the sensations are so strong, you can't be still then make a quiet adjustment, notice that, and then sit still again. Right. Over time, if you don't rush it and you don't hate yourself or judge yourself, you'll be able to sit for longer and longer periods, keeping the body relaxed and still. It just supports greater clarity. But we're moving toward being able to practice all day long whether or not the body is still. So, don't make a big deal about stillness. Just see it as a a training ground. It's like we train by going to a quiet space and sitting still. That's just, and sitting in a way that supports alertness because we're optimizing the conditions. It's easier to learn about being aware, awake, mindful, when the body's still. Pain comes up, so when pain first comes up, try to include it. Like you maybe can't be with the breath because the pain is so predominant. So let the pain be the object of awareness. Oh, breathing in, feeling the pain that's here. Breathing out, being aware of the pain that's here. Just acknowledging it. Can it be okay? In other words, is it okay to relax and be still and be intimate with the pain? So experiment. Don't assume because it's unpleasant that it can't be let in, that the heart, mind can't relax with it. It might actually feel good to be intimate with the unpleasant sensations that are present. It might actually help. But then at some point, there may not be enough stability to be intimate with the painful sensations. Try as you might. So then maybe that's the time to make an adjustment to release whatever unpleasantness, the mind, if you can. Sometimes, of course, there's pain in the body that we can't release. Then maybe it's better to do walking meditation or to do a lying down meditation, right, in the corpse pose. Some of you do yoga, right, With you're just lying on your back, arms to the side, legs comfortably apart, maybe a thin pillow so that the spine is in alignment. Now the trouble with that is you can't practice. Most people can't practice for more than five or ten minutes and that posture before they get really sleepy. But it can be quite a useful posture for about five minutes, ten minutes, depending. Yeah, other thoughts, questions? Yeah, Lynn, you want to pass the mic over? People don't want to wait, but it's nice to just be mindful for a few seconds, right? It's like, anxiety's like this. (laughs) What's he going to (laughs) say?
0: I'm Len. My question is along the same line. I, I have a couple of specific things that um, one is I have tinnitus or my ears really ring and it's kind of chronic. It's there a lot, most of the time. Um, And I also itch. (laughs) And um, that's also something that I had an allergic reaction to some medication. It's been going on for a long time and it's, I have had pain at times in my meditation and uh, this feels a little different. I don't, you know, I, it's working. I am one thing that seems I, I, I find if I'm rested, I, I meditate first thing in the morning and that seems to be better than. But I try in the evening, sleepiness is an issue, in the evening I'm tired, but um, the itching and the tinnitus really do sometimes get in my way.
1: Yeah, but it's probably more the not liking of the sound you're hearing, the shh sound, that's what people sometimes hear, and not liking the itching, right? Right. So the interesting thing about our practice of mindfulness is you will inevitably develop amazing fearlessness and courageousness because things will be presenting themselves, whatever they might be, that the mind is conditioned not to like or to feel threatened by. And when you start getting more and more confidence, you'll practice just staying right with it, right in the middle of it, body relaxed relatively still, let yourself be the first person to die from the sound, that inner sound, right? Or let yourself be the first person to die from itchiness. Itchiness is an especially interesting teacher because we know it's not harmful to feel it, right? It's like if you have a fly crawling on your skin. I mean, I'm not saying this is easy. It's not easy. But you know you're probably going to survive. Or you just have a tickle somewhere. But it can feel like everyone's itching themselves (laughs) Just the thought, right? So it's really nice when we come into stillness to value it enough so we don't reflexively uh, scratch or itch or move or feel that we're responsible for making the conditions different because we're we've cultivated this value that i've set my smartphone for 30 minutes and if it kills me you know i'm really here for 30 minutes i mean unless the house is burning down or i feel like i'm doing damage to my knee i'm just going to stay here it's just really interesting to explore that kind of commitment to just being with experience. Now you don't have to start with thirty minutes. Start and build your confidence up. And you'll find one of the things you'll learn is the not liking of the itching or the not liking of the sound sets in motion this feedback loop that makes things, makes the problem get as big as the universe. Right? But we don't have to go down that road, that feedback loop. So what we have to do is recognize that just because there is itching doesn't mean there needs to be disliking of it. It can just be the sensations of itching. It can just be the sound. It's like anything. When we look at something, it gets relatively bigger. So if there's an itchy feeling and the awareness goes there and really pays attention to it, and is wholeheartedly paying attention to it, then there's literally nothing else in the universe but the itchiness, right? And when it's that big, it seems like no way can I handle this. You know, I got to get rid of this. But if it's just one thing among many, then it's amazing what we can be with. So just exp- experiment and. See what kind of skills you can develop because you can always scratch. You can always run away. But explore the possibility of not running away, not backing down. Just use your two values. Do you remember what they are? Relaxation and alertness or interest. Right? Just see if that's enough to handle most things in life. Really relaxed. Relaxed means I trust my life to be the way it is right now. It's not necessarily the way I want it to be. Is anybody's life the way you want it to be exactly? No. But isn't it true that right now it is the way that it is? It's completely the way that it is right now. So why not relax with that? I mean, it's already this way. So we can relax with that it's already like this. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to respond or do something that might set in motion something different. It just means I'm not going to waste my time wanting things to be different than they already are. It's already. The itchiness is already like this. The achiness is already. So let me acknowledge with relaxation this is how it is. Let me be interested and alert. Because then if I am going to run or change or itch, I'll be clear about what might be useful. And just do what's useful. Not more, not less. Because I've accepted what's going on. I'm really interested, alert. And then I might know how to, like whether moving is going to help. You know, one of the things you'll notice is you keep moving and you always want to move more. I tell you, more than anything else, what keeps meditators still is from their own personal experience know, know, knowing that moving doesn't help. I mean, it helps for a second. Right? So then at some point we realize, might as well just stay still. It's not easy having a body. The body, when you pay attention to it, is expressing the residual of, in my case, 57 years of stress. So it's not always a pleasant place to be. But it's actually less stressful to run from it, uh, to be with it than to run from it or to deny it. We need to leave it here. It's 9 o'clock. So remember, it's sometimes challenging to return, but give yourself the six weeks. Um, Here and also on the table in the lobby, there's a little handout. Next week, I'll talk about the acronym RAIN. Recognize, Accept interest, non-attachment. We've sort of been talking about it, but it's just an acronym to help you remember the practice. It's like one step up from relax, relaxation, and alertness. If you have a moment, all these folding chairs go down the stairs to the right and to the right. Have a good week, everyone. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs,